This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Analyzing Anfield of the season. Uh, obviously, we'll be recording throughout the summer, but this is the last one of the season in terms of official matches that Liverpool are going to play. I'm joined as ever by David Hughes. Dave, looking forward to the summer, mate? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, ironically, <laughs> I'm looking out the window now and it's grey, rainy, miserable. <laughs> I'm thinking not much of a summer this, but, you know, we've we've had a whole lifetime of this, so quite used to it now. Yeah, I mean, we've got one more game to navigate before we get there and it's it's quite a big one. I mean, you know, this is, say that. this is as big as it gets really, isn't it, when you think about it? Yeah. So, on the back of that, we're going to dedicate this the whole episode really to the final. Uh, as a result, it might be a little bit shorter than usual. We'll see where we go with it. Uh, there's a few other talking points knocking about the Liverpool scene, but considering we have all summer to get through, mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll put them on hold for now and we'll we'll address those you know starting next week. But this week, the episode is dedicated to to Liverpool versus Real Madrid in the Champions League final. So. Dave, I haven't really spoke to you much about this. So before we get into fine details and stuff, how are you how are you looking at this final just as a general, you know, who's favourites and, and things like that? Mm. So I, I, for me, Liverpool are favourites. Um, no bias towards the show. It's just it's just how I see it. One thing I would say is, you know, the semi-finals were what? Three weeks ago now, is it? Two, three weeks ago. Um, yeah. I'd say... Looking at objectively, my confidence in Liverpool has waned a little bit compared to what it was immediately after the two semi-final ties. Um, not so much in terms of what they've done. I just think there's a lot that's happened for for Liverpool since you know they've been involved in fairly intense football matches um, every weekend since. Where there's you look at Real Madrid, they, they basically got the the Liga wrapped up. Uh, with four games to go, so they've been able to kind of heavily rotate. You know, Ancelotti's just been able to keep an eye, focus everything really on this final coming up. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm not saying that that suddenly means that Real Madrid are going to be favourites. As I said at the start, I still think the pool are, but I just think. It's going to be a bit tougher than I initially expected. You know, I thought Liverpool have looked a little bit more leggy by their standards over the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, got another really big game coming up. Whereas Madrid have had a lot more time to to rest and recuperate. So that's the only thing I would say, Josh. I think that could play a part in the game. Uh, but to answer your initial question, I think Liverpool are still just about favourites. Yeah, one one thing I would say on that, just as a maybe it's me trying to put a positive spin on things. I'm not really sure, but one thing I would say on that is, in terms of Real Madrid having so many weeks to prepare for this, able to rotate players and things. Obviously, it means each player should have a full tank. But I also have to throw in there that you can't really turn it on and off, can you? And Liverpool have have almost been forced to just keep going relentlessly, highest level. Every match you must win. Real Madrid, as you say, I've had about four weeks now where they've just been able to kind of put their feet up, and now they go into a final again. They're back to must must win levels. Um, so I'm, you know, Klopp speaks a lot about like rhythm, 
and momentum. They're words that he uses a fair bit, but specifically rhythm. And I think there's the possibility that from a Ramsey perspective, maybe they go into it. And maybe for the first half hour or so, they're a little bit, I don't know, disjuncted is the word, or, or, or just lacking that rhythm because they've been able to rotate so much. So I think that's an interesting one. I understand why people would think it's it's a positive around it, and, and in many ways it obviously is. But I also think you have to throw in there that, you know, in previous seasons, say, for example, when Bayern Munich have won the league by February, it hasn't benefited them. And the same with PSG, you know. Um, but as I said, maybe this is just me trying to think positively. Mm, yeah, no, I, I I do appreciate it, and it's you know something that we've talked about in the past for sure. The the only reason I'm I'm maybe not as on board this time with Real Madrid is I just think they're the team who seems to finish quite strong anyway. You know, you can't really write them off. You know, they're, they're probably the worst side. You want to be what you know one 0 up against with 10, 15 minutes to go, and I think if it did come into that situation uh, where Liverpool started better. I would expect Liverpool's maybe tie it a little bit. And then you're coming up against this side who just seem to pull off these, you know, they've got a never-say-die attitude, I guess you call it. Um, and if they're a little bit fresher as well, they've got that belief. I just think they could kind of be a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. Uh, I don't know how better to articulate it. Uh, and I do wonder if having those fresher legs as well going into those final stages could prove decisive. I mean, all of this is not a criticism of Liverpool. At the end of the day, they've went and you know, played every game possible to win every trophy possible. They've already won two. Unlucky not to win a third, and this could be a fourth. Uh, obviously, it'll end up being a, a treble if they win it rather than quadruple. But, you know, it's not a criticism that they're going to be tired because that it's a it's kind of a nature of the beasts when you be playing that many football matches. But I just wonder whether it'll maybe level out the playing field a little bit more because I feel like if both teams had the same break here, you know, Liverpool would be uh, heavy favourites. Yeah, I mean, based on what I've seen, Liverpool are being deemed as as fairly heavy favourites, and I think I do think I'm inclined to agree with you in in terms of it being closer to a not a fifty fifty, but c- closer to that than people are t- expecting. Really, if you look at five thirty eight, which we've quoted a number of times throughout the season, um, they've got Liverpool sixty five percent on to winning, uh, Real Madrid thirty five percent. Is that is that roughly how you'd have it? Yeah, you know what? Definitely, maybe at a push sixty forty, but yeah, that yeah. That's, that that pretty much sums up where I think I stand on it. You know, I, that, that's how I'd split it. If someone asked me, so it's quite uh, quite convenient that. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you look at the the numbers throughout the season, just in terms of you know the the easy performance indicator really is is goal difference uh, per ninety per match. If you like. Um, but if you look at expected goal difference per match, then you get a gauge on under the surface, regardless of how many goals you score, regardless of how many goals you concede, you know, which teams are the best, basically. At the top of the three, you have Manchester City, then you have Bayern Munich, and then you have Liverpool, based on um, you know their domestic seasons. So Bayern, obviously, second there, probably because they're just so much better than the rest of the teams in Germany. Uh, I would probably put Liverpool slightly above Bayern generally, um, but just clarifying that anyway. Then you have Inter, then you have PSG, then you have Chelsea, then you have AC Milan, then you have Napoli, and then you have Real Madrid. So according to just general performance indicators, the performance indicator, if you like, Real Madrid are about the about the ninth best team. Uh, 
in Europe this season. In terms of just general performance, obviously they've got individuals who can win games and more comes into it than that. But just their performance as a team in terms of generating shots at one end, um, good shots and, and restricting shots at the, at the opposite end. That's where Real Madrid are kind of at. And I think on the back of that, that's that's why Liverpool are being deemed as as proper favourites, really, um, even by the likes of 538. Yeah, and that, what I would say is I think that really supplements what, what, what you've seen when watching them this year. We, we may have discussed it briefly after the semi-finals, but, you know, the reality is, you know, you can talk about kind of uh, Madrid having this hold over the competition, but we just, you know, talk about it frankly at the moment. Uh, Madrid, have, they haven't been poor, but I'm not saying they've been poor, but they've been second best in, in most knockout ties they've played um, so far in, in, in the competition. Okay, you, they've come up against really good sides, PSG, Chelsea, of course, Manchester City. So you can appreciate that. There's no shame in being second best to them. But the reality is, for large periods of those ties, they've been the second best side. And it's kind of taken moments of fortune, moments of quality from, from nothing, Chaos. really. Chaos, yeah. Chaos. They, they, it's it's like they've been flipping coins, isn't it? It's been landing on their side a little bit. You know, when it has gone chaotic, it, it's cut when in their favour. Um and we, we we know that when it comes, you know, that's kind of all irrelevant at this point because it's a 90-minute match and anything can happen now. Uh, but it still doesn't change the fact that they, they haven't been that great. This definitely isn't a fantastic Real Madrid side by any stretch. And, you know, if if, if Liverpool could find their best, their, their, their best version of themselves, you know, if they can hit fifth gear, then they should have enough to, to win this game. Analyzing Anfield. On the Blood Red Channel. I mean, I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago when we first found that we were facing Remington in the final. But in the knockout stages, Remington generated and expected goals with about 7.8. Um, their opponents generated shots with about 10.4 goals. So, you know, and on, on the opposite side of that, in reality, Wilmington had scored 14 times and uh, only conceded 11. So what that means is they, they, they finished far above expectation, uh, which I suppose you can credit the likes of, you know, Karen Benzema in particular. Uh, but they conceded roughly in line with, with normality, with expectation. So as I said at the time, usually those streaks, those hot streaks come to an end. And if this was a league campaign, you'd be saying, okay, in in 10 or 20 games, they're going to fall off it. But this is a cup tournament. They've got one game left to win the tournament. It probably could continue for one more game. Um, they've only got to do it for one more game to win the trophy. But I do think those numbers capture how Wembley are relatively fortunate to be where they are in terms of performances, at least. Obviously, on the... Flip side, like you have to say, well, they've got where they are because of the, the I don't know, the individual quality, the the mentality, the historic background of the club in, in that tournament. Maybe I'm not sure what it is. It's just kind of Liverpool have it as well in that tournament. Mm. It's yeah, just, you just you either feel at home in that tournament or you don't. Yeah, um, and Madrid is certainly one of those one of those teams. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I tweeted at the time. Um, I think the final will, will, will somehow consist of nothing but comebacks for 120 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah, um, I like that one, I remember that. Yeah, well, it's 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 going to go that way, isn't it, really? I mean, well, it could go that way. Um, 
But in terms of uh, the specifics of the game, then, tactically, I think we'll start with my biggest concern and probably Liverpool's biggest concern. You can probably guess what that is, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Is it, uh, is it those balls over the top, players like Vinicius coming in? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, the balls specifically in the direction of Vinicius around Trent. Yeah. Uh, th- those are the concern. And Liverpool have been done by those against Madrid in the past year. I know it was very different circumstances. Liverpool had Nat Phillips in the centre of defence and things like that. But Vinicius on his day is really difficult to deal with for the best of defensive fullbacks. Trent, I will admit, is improving of late. But he's still not that player, really. And if 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 Ancelotti can find ways of isolate, isolating Vinicius and Trent, they could gain some inroads there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Especially because we're going to talk on the assumption Thiago's probably not going to be fit. That seems to be the noise, doesn't it, that he's not going to play. Um, yeah. So you, you imagine the bulk of Liverpool's threat will be the traditional kind of through the wing-backs, through Trent, you know, rotations in the wide areas, etc. Inevitably, that means he's going to be pushing higher um, and that could play into their hands on the break um, in terms of, you know, potentially punishing and, and those balls uh, down that, that flank. I mean... Just this is a really good segue, actually, Josh. And I'm keen to know what your thoughts are. Maybe what you know, people listening or watching think about this. You know, um, we talked at length, um, you know, a million times about the high line and stuff. It's to the point where it's become quite a, a tedious subject. Um, mm. But I, um, for a little while now, I've been watching Liverpool and. It was it was initially felt like given the odd high quality chance with the ball over the top was kind of collateral damage. You know, it was like a a, a nature of the beast consequence of of the kind of the benefits of having that high line. But it feels like more and more teams are getting those big chances. You know, Wolves had a couple. Uh, all right, you could say the one that they missed in the first half when it was one one was probably because Canate doesn't win the header. You know, Van Dijk probably does, but. The point I'm making is it seems to be happening a lot. And I looked at the numbers behind it, right? Tell me what you think of this. I don't know if you've seen it already. So this season, um, Liverpool have faced 56 1v1s in the Premier League. So Alisson's played, or whoever's in goal, but mainly Alisson's faced 56 of them. Only three Premier League sides have faced more. That was Leeds, Newcastle, Norwich. For comparison, Man City have faced 32. So, you know, that's a huge difference. And we, I feel like they haven't been punished as much because of how great Alisson is. You know, he's such a good goalkeeper, isn't he? Um, that he, we, We've already seen, I think it was, um, who was it to put the data? John Harrison was, and he put the 1v1 data and his overperformance in, in 1v1s is, you know, better than any goalkeeper. We know that by watching it, but... What the question I want to ask you is, are we at a stage where teams are doing things to find ways to beat Liverpool's high line? And are Liverpool now in a position where they're too reliant on Alisson to keep performing at these immense levels? And if he was to, one, drop in terms of these performance levels, or two, come out the team through, say, injury, which he, he does occasionally seem to pick up little knocks and things that keep him out the side... You know, are Liverpool going to be in a position where they could be, you know, quite heavily punished, especially considering the, the kind of small margins in 
in their games that they have. Um, you know, it could end up being a big problem for them. And, you know, second point thrown ahead to, to Saturday, with the likes of Vinicius and the pace he has, you know, is that going to be something that, that ends up costing them big time? Yeah, well, it's it's one of them difficult subjects, isn't it? It's one of them where I'd love to actually speak to Klopp about yeah. this or uh, or Linders or someone, um, because I, I do wonder how much of it is is intentional because of Allison's qualities. You know, you you want to present him with a platform to shine, and if he's the world's best at one v ones, let him let him engage in one v ones. But then at the same time. You obviously don't want to to, to face one v ones, and I've just I've just had a look then while you were speaking. In terms of expected goals per shot, um, the expected goals per shot against for Liverpool this season is zero point one two. What that means is the average shot that Liverpool face has an xG of about twelve, about twelve percent in in terms of how often it's converted, um. That's the joint worst in Europe, Europe's top five leagues. There's uh, there's about there's fourteen other teams with the same figure as Liverpool, uh, including Augsburg, Fiorentina, Leeds, Marseille, Leipzig, Southampton, um, Bayern Munich, and that different. There's eleven percent in terms of the average chance that they face. Cities is also eleven percent, but I think. The issue is sometimes Liverpool face these shots that are like proper clear cut, like you know up, upwards of forty percent conversion and things like that. So they're the ones that Liverpool need to find a way of minimising. And I think sometimes the high line can look a bit more naive than it actually is. I do think it's it's not just total suicide, is it? it it's like it it can look that way though. Like I think in the in the FA Cup game against City, we deliberately dropped a bit more often. Um, and that was on the back of facing them seven days earlier at the Etihad. They were playing balls over that, over the top of our line every five minutes. Klopp said they were just like set pieces almost. And then when we faced him in the FA Cup seven days later, he said after the match, um, we, we, we dropped a bit more often. Still played with the high line, obviously, still pressed and things like that. But when there's a, a player who's on the ball and there's no pressure on him, you, you then have to retreat a little bit. Um, and I think that's what Liverpool can almost be better at doing in certain moments. Tony Cruz last season against Liverpool had all the time in the world. Liverpool didn't drop, and he played a pinpoint pass over the top to Vinicius's feet, and he scored. Um, they're the kind of moments maybe that Liverpool have to have to minimise. But then, I suppose the difficult question is in those moments. Say, say Tony Cruz assumes possession again, and he's got no one on him. And he's looking to play a ball over the top. Do you then place the emphasis on, right, Naby Keita or right, Thiago, get out to him? Or do you place the emphasis on the defensive line drop? Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the defensive line will be staying high so that one of the eights can go. But if the eights don't go, do you know what I mean? So you, yeah, 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 yeah. you need to be really in sync. And it's it's difficult to always be like that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really hard. I mean, you know, it's all my basic stuff here, but I guess it'd just be maybe that even if the the, the high line don't necessarily drop, maybe it's just about uh, the change of body position. You know, getting into that yeah kind of half turn, yeah half turn. You know, turn the sprints, 
so that you're ready to go. Uh, but I mean, you probably do it anyway. It's just it is a dilemma because it's so effective, isn't it? And in terms of all of pool play, it's so key to it. It's so key to restricting that space. Um, you know, that that whole the opposition's half is a whole zone for pressing, really, isn't it? Uh, but you couldn't do that if the gap was, you know, between the defence and midfield was 10 yards bigger. It just wouldn't work. Um, so it's a headache. But I don't know, at what point do you start thinking we're conceding too many chances? And maybe they'll look and think, well, look, Alisson is, Alisson keeps doing his job, so it doesn't impact us. But I said, the, the concern for me would be if Alisson come off the team or if, he, if his form kind of dropped, which... It kind of feels like it would never happen, but you just never know. Football, it's really hard to maintain those top levels consistently. Um, maybe it's something to re- review next season. Uh, but for now, I just think that is definitely going to be a bit of a concern going into going into Saturday's game. I, I do think when it comes to Ancelotti sitting down and analysing his opponents for this game, it, it is an obvious area, isn't it, to, to target, especially if you have players like Crews and Modders, you can play these these unique passes almost, and you've got rapid players in behind, like the likes of Vinicius. So I do think it will get tired. I do think the Liverpool will have to be prepared to to adjust to to find a way of dealing with that. Um, but even even without the balls over the top, Vinicius on his own anyway it is still just a, a massive threat whenever he assumes the possession. Um, if you look at the numbers for the season. He just looks like the the ultimate outlet. In terms of successful dribbles this season, he's third in Europe on 101, behind only Kylian Mbappe and Alan St. Maximin. And then in terms of carries, he is, in terms of, uh, sorry, carries into the penalty box, he's top of Europe. Uh, 101 carries into the penalty box this season in La Liga. Again, second is Mbappe on 90, followed by Jack Gaelish on 88. So he, he's, he's just that, he's that proper ball carrying play. He's, he's, he's very like Mbappe, really. Um, got, he's got like a weird cross of Mbappe, Hazard, you know, that, that kind of uh, left-sided player who can just carry it up closer towards goal, like 30 yards or something every time he gets the ball. So direct. And... Uh, Ancelotti's used him exactly like that all season. He's, he's just whenever the likes of Cruz and Modric are in possession, Casemiro, whoever it might be, one of the centre halves, they, they all just look left and they all just mm. give the balls to Vinicius and he just runs and it's kind of as simple as that really. And Liverpool, Liverpool's obvious defensive weakness is over on that side compared to anyone else on the pitch really, um, which I suppose looks nice for Madrid. Mm, yeah, I mean, what he's also done this year is beyond having that ability to, you know, carry uh, through the opposition's half into the penalty areas. He's just added so many goals to his game, hasn't he? You know, he's. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, just as we were chatting, I was having a look at his record last season. Uh, you know, he scored three league goals all season. Um, underperformed his XG a little bit. XG was about six point five. You know, this season, this this isn't even including you know goals and cup competitions this is just purely in the league he scored 17 goals um, and he's overperforming his XG by uh, I think it says he XG was 13.1 so 
I've heard little things about he, you know, he started the season really well, confidence really high, um, and he's kind of just gone from there, you know, become this kind of fantastic finisher. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it's no coincidence, is it, that Ancelotti's gone in there and suddenly he's getting the best out of a player like him um, mm. because Ancelotti's man management is is elite. You know, it's why he's always been really fantastic at getting the best out of great players. Um, and, you know, that speaks volumes that he scored three league goals last season. He scored 17 this season. Um, he's almost, he's a completely different player, really. Um, okay, he's he's probably always, well, yeah, we know he's always been kind of a good ball carrier, but he's took that to the next level, as you've just highlighted. And then now he's, uh, now he's, you know, supplementing it with, with, with big goals as well, um, which is a problem because now you'd be concerned if he's running into the Liverpool goal, wouldn't you, if he's got behind Trent because uh, there's every chance the form he's in, he'll, he'll convert. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, I mean, I must be honest, I, I've impressed with him every time I see him. Uh, when he faced Liverpool last season, he was a, a real problem for us. As I said, he was one of the main reasons why we exited the competition. And a few years ago, I went to the uh, to, to the Bernabeu to watch Madrid against, I think it was Girona. Um, and he was, I think at the time, he was only a teenager. But he was just, I remember thinking to myself, he's a player. And he's, he was so direct, so tricky. Um, goal orientated. Everything that he did was just with the goal in mind. Um and he it, he seems to be to be building on that. As you said, seventeen league goals this season, not a single penalty in there. And uh, he's probably the biggest threat that Liverpool have to deal with. Alongside him, they also have a certain Karim Benzema, who is uh, I suppose on track for the Ballon d'Or. Really, um, I suppose maybe it will depend on whether he wins this tournament. I don't know whether that should be the case. I personally don't think it should be. Uh, when it comes to the Ballon d'Or, it's, it's, it's a team game. And for whatever reason, they've developed a bit of a tradition now where they give the, the Ballon d'Or to one of the players from the team. Um, mm. When they could be better players with playing weaker teams all season. Yeah, but I mean, it'll help his chances that he's French, won't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. will. But yeah, he's um, got 15 Champions League goals this season. Insane. Yeah, if you look at the season as a whole, he scored 27 goals in La Liga and also registered 12 assists. So we've pretty much been the La Liga version of Salah in terms of topping the scoring charts and topping the assist charts as well. 34 years old now, so he's uh, he's getting on, but he doesn't look it. Only two players in Europe's top five leagues scored more league goals than him this season. One of those was Mbappe, and the other one was Robert Lewandowski. So he, he's the ultimate well, he's in Real Madrid's team, at least for the minute. He's a proper moments player at the minute. He can drift under the radar for an hour and then score a hat out of nowhere. And uh, I think it's interesting that he's coming up against he's coming up against Virgil van Dijk, who uh, is the best centre-half in the world, in my opinion. So you could look at that there as a little matchup between the, the world's best in each position. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to come out on top there. Obviously, what remains to be seen whether Benzema will actually stay on Van Dijk or whether he'll just move over to the likes of Matip or whatever but it's one to watch that one yeah the thing is with, with Benzema you know any ball in the box uh, he's a problem you know if you think of that if you, he can make something else and nothing thinking specifically of that goal at the Etihad as an example you know it was it wasn't even really a half chance and he uh, 
he scores a crucial goal. So that is going to be a problem. I think it's good news for Liverpool. They've got Van Dijk. They've got arrested Van Dijk as, as, as well, really, isn't it? Like, I know obviously he did pick up a knock, but the reality is Klopp's probably thought, give him a little bit of a breather. Um, so, so you've got the best defender, really, to stop him, but it still might not be enough. You know, he's, he's still capable of producing goals. Uh, so it'll be that, that will be another key battle. Yeah, I mean, he, he has overperformed this season when it comes to his finishing, unsurprisingly. Uh, he's overperformed in La Liga by a total of 4.8 goals. And he's overperformed in the Champions League by a total of 5.7. So, all in all, he's probably scored around 10 goals more than the shots that he's been presented with have been worth, which which just captures his hot streak in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a hot streak or is he just that good? You know, not really sure. But he's, he, he's certainly, yeah, he, he's the ultimate marksman at the minute. Um, very well rounded, even when he's on the ball, he's super dangerous wherever he gets the ball. And, uh, his link play is, is superb as well in, in tight spaces and things like that, little one-twos mm-hmm. and stuff. So he's a major player to take take care of. And Klopp's usual approach in that case is to stop the service to him. Uh, I'm not sure how you do that. He's got service from everywhere, really. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one. But in terms of the positive side, I suppose Liverpool also have a nice matchup in terms of Luis Diaz. He's probably going to start. And I've watched Real Madrid's knockout games in in each round of the Champions League this season. And without doubt, their biggest issue, if you like, has been Danny Carvajal. Yeah. And uh, it looks like Luis Diaz is going to be 1v1 against him. Yeah, yeah. That is uh, that's that is a very nice matchup <laughs> because uh, certainly 1v1 Diaz is a... I wouldn't even say a match. He's, he's a huge problem for... For most defenders, he comes up against. Uh, I agree. I think that matchup is great. He's probably a little bit better going forward than defending, isn't he? Let's be honest. It's it, it, the better suits his game. He's, he's he's what you call a modern wing back, I guess. Um, so for Diaz, it's it's ideal. And you know, we were talking bef- before about Vinicius. Kind of everything he can do leading towards the box is fantastic. But he's also a goal threat. Well, that's what Diaz has been since he's come in. You know, an absolute danger uh, for everyone he's faced in terms of in and around the penalty area in the attacking third. But then he's also got the final ball, whether that be, you know, setting up a teammate or scoring a goal himself. And he's looked really kind of dangerous in, in front of goals. So, you know, that's a, that's a really nice one. Um, and I'd, I would start him, you know, if that was the question, I'd start him. Um, just on that, though, would you do... Um, Diaz left Mane and then Salah. Yeah, that would be yeah. my front three. Yeah, because Mane's been you know so good in front of goals, well hasn't he since the turn of the year? Um, he's been popping up with really big goals. So you know, traditionally, traditionally we thought it'd be a rotation between Diaz and Mane when he first come in, but now you look at it and think you've got to have Diaz in there. You, you want Mane on the pitch as well, um, because both of them capable of just scoring great goals, and then you've got Salah. Well, I think it's insistent that both goalkeepers as well, in this case, are having really good seasons and both goalkeepers are elite, really. Uh, if you look at the, the overperformance in, in this sense, in terms of shot stopping across Europe, top five leagues, this is excluding the Champions League. Alisson's overperformed by about 4.1 goals and Courtois has overperformed by about five goals. So... Both have played exactly the same number of minutes. Um, and both 
I think Courtois in particular is 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 decent to penalties as well in terms of saving them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's clarified there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I think Liverpool. I think the match, the, the match, matches across the board here look, look look reasonably, you know, well well matched. Really, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. I do think it's it, it's an interesting tactical battle. This one, mm. um, and I think speaking about the tactical battle. One department where I, I, I see major differences is the two coaches. You know, I think you you know all about Angelotti, Dave, and uh, we know all about Klopp. Klopp's very much it's probably going to be four three three. It's probably going to be offside trap, high defensive line, high pressing, uh, transition based football, all that sort of stuff. And Angelotti is just the type of coach who needs to just adapt accordingly to that mm-hmm. and win this one off match. Um, mm-hmm. However necessary, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, we, we try to still don't know fully where to stand on that approach. Uh, but I think it's a, it's an effective approach, though, right? If you've got so many different useful tools in a squad, mm-hmm. and Ahmed Madridi has got that. He's got, he's got different mm-hmm. plays. He's got different qualities there. Freddy Valverde he can just come in and just do a job, and then he's got Camavinga on the on the bench at, at times and. Uh, different types of forwards like Asensio or Rodrigo, and um, yeah, he's got a variety of different options there to use. And I think sometimes these coaches encounter the most issues when they're trying to use that tactical mindset, that strategic mindset in certain games. But the, the options are just bad, you know, on the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like at Everton, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody did the right at Everton, no. Did yeah. okay. Well, he did it relatively speaking when you see how the season went this year, but. You know, it was only a tenth position finish if you actually think about it last season. But um, yeah, look, he, um, I agree. I think you're right. And one thing we've we've touched on before, you know, mentioned it in a previous show, but he does have a good record against Klopp. You know, it's only one defeat in, in six meetings, and that was obviously the the, the derby that we talked about, the Merseyside derby, where it was a bit of a strange one, where you know Liverpool had like a third string out. Evans was a little bit. A strange team as well. Um, it was just a very, very bizarre game. Um, but you know, Champions League meetings in there, there was a couple of Premier League in there, then Real Madrid as well actually have a half decent record against Liverpool. Um, and I mean, I, I, I did make a point of it. I think yeah, the last but, time we, we beat them was uh, maybe An- Anfield, was it Gerard? I think it was 4 0. Yeah, it's 2009 it was. So they've played each other five times since then. Uh, Madrid have won four and drew one. Um, mm. You know, so there's... You know, I'm not saying this plays into it, but it's just, it's a strange record, isn't it? Yeah, one thing about that that I do find a little bit frustrating is it feels like Madrid forever faced the Liverpool that aren't proper Liverpool, <laughs> mm. if you know what I mean. Mm. Like, uh, a few years ago, they obviously faced us with, with Lloris Carriers in goal. Yeah. And... Um, after half an hour, <clears throat> Salah goes off injured. So that's a bit of a different game. And he faced us last season without a centre half. Um, no stadi- no fans in the stadium and stuff. And this time around, they're potentially going to face us without Fabinho and Thiago, you know, which which is just a little bit just a bit annoying because it's it's Real Madrid, you would like to show them your best side. Um and we just don't seem to be able to do that against these, but 
I think I'd say this is probably the closest that that Real Madrid are going to experience to the the proper Liverpool, the proper version of Klopp's Liverpool. Thiago's a blow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was asking our, our producer before the the podcast there if you had to pick one to be available for the final, Thiago Fabinho. Who, who are you picking? Uh, yeah, for, for me, Thiago. I mean, I feel like I'm cheating because I heard your answer, but I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> um, just because for the same reasons as, as you mentioned at the time, you know, I think there's other players who can go into that number six and do a good job. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of the penetration of the ball, the ability with the ball in terms of midfielders, Liverpool haven't really got it. You know, I suppose you've got Cater, but even he is a different profile to Thiago, isn't he? He's more of maybe a a carrier of the the ball in terms of you know carrying through the lines, but he can't pass through those areas, I guess, better than uh, Thiago. No one can, and that that could be a big miss because you're not you haven't got that multifaceted kind of way of uh, penetrating like you do when when Thiago's on the pitch. Yeah, it would have been nice to see the you know the midfield trio battles of of Casemiro, Cruz, Modric against. Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson. Um, it w- w- would have been really nice that because both teams regularly play with the three. Both threes really know each other well. Um, play with each other for a fair amount of time now and stuff. So um, it would have been nice to see that, but maybe we're only going to get one of of Thiago and Fabinho. Maybe potentially even none of them. Um, but hopefully we get to see the best version of Liverpool. But I think Thiago in these games in particular, he's just that. He's just that finishing touch, isn't he? That that bit of magic dust who just kind of against other elite players can still look even a step above them. Mm-hmm. Um and I think about the chance the last Champions League final that he played against PSG. Do you remember that pass? The one yeah. that resulted in the winning goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. It was on the light reels <clears throat> about three months after, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but it's going to be a shame he doesn't play. Obviously, Liverpool's record throughout the season is, is amazing with Thiago in the team. But Liverpool's record anyway throughout the season. I think we've lost three times all season. And I saw a, a great tweet actually saying if Liverpool win on um, on Saturday night, Liverpool will have lost the same amount of games this season as they have won trophies, <laughs> which is obviously three. Um yeah. Which would be, you know, amazing, really. And I suppose that in itself captures the the, the team that Madrid are facing. You know, you're facing a team here that are ultimately very, very difficult to beat. Mm. I agree. Do um do you expect some sort of response, negative or positive, to to Sunday? Um, not really. I I don't. I think we went into Sunday expecting. Uh, things to play out as normal and although they played out as normal in terms of the table obviously the the day played out a little bit differently and I suppose you got a bit of hope there and things like that but I don't think it'll influence Liverpool too much no. because I think the players have, have kind of known probably for a few weeks that the Champions League is going to be the big one that they win this season rather than the Premier League hmm. um, but unless you've got anything else to add mate I think we can probably do predictions on this one. We got you. Got to predict this one, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know what? Uh, yeah. I'm going to go for another penalty shootout win. 
<laughs> I, I just think I just think it'll be tight. I think there'll be maybe it'll be like a one-all, two-two after 120 minutes, um, and the pool's confidence in shootouts maybe just gets them over the line. I just I expect it to be a little bit tighter. That's all then. Uh, than, than we initially expected, but still the pool to somehow come out on top. So, yeah, I'm going to go quite precise and say hey, another pool penalty shootout win. Do you know what, believe it or not, I was thinking the same. Was you really? Uh, yeah, I was thinking one all, hmm. And uh, I think considering the experience of both of these teams, like it's really nice as a Liverpool fan now. When you go into these finals, you, you feel like the players have been there, you feel like they've done it. They're not going to be overawed by the situation. They're going to be... It's it's just what they do now. And I think there's obviously that element also in the Madrid camp. You know, they've been doing it for years. So, and it's very much the same group that won the, uh, won the tournament three years in a row, I think. So, I think given that, I think both teams will just almost stay in it. And I, I, do, I do think it will it will go to, to penalties, probably. Hmm. Um. So I'm going to say one all, and I'm going to say Liverpool on pens. Hmm. Um, hmm. But it it could go anyway. Honestly, it, it could go the way of Liverpool really dominating this game because hmm. City dominated Madrid for large periods. PSG dominated Madrid for large periods, but Madrid just come up with these bom- moments, and it's going to be up to Liverpool uh, to to prevent those moments from really materialising. You know, I suppose players like Van Dijk and Alisson Becker can really step up in those moments and and just stop them from happening, maybe. Uh, but Dave, thanks for joining us, mate, throughout the season. it's uh, you, Hopefully we're going to round it off with some silverware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, follow it up next week. Yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week to potentially talk about what happened. Depends on the result. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, probably look ahead to transfer season. So thanks for joining us. Hopefully Liverpool end the season with a nice big trophy. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.